Hey guys, welcome to episode 3 of the Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Steve Fountas once again here with Eric Sanchez. In this episode, we're going to talk about some of our favorite matches. This isn't our top matches of all time or any type of list or anything. These are just random matches that we like a lot. And this isn't going to be the definitive list. I'm sure we'll do another part we talk about more awesome matches. They're all over the board from the current product, from the super far product of the 80s and 90s to the Attitude Era to somewhere in between 2011, 2012, and 13. So originally I wanted this episode to be about video games and toys, but because of scheduling and everything, it wasn't able to work out. So I decided the favorite matches would be a lot of fun. Next week, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be Royal Rumble Memories. And the week after that, we're going to talk about toys, video games, all that stuff. So if you have anything to add to that from Royal Rumble Memories to toys or video games or anything else you want to hear, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. Also, you can send us an email to ppwpodcast at gmail.com. We are on SoundCloud and iTunes, and if you can send a review or rating on iTunes, that would help a lot. But rather than go back and forth with shout-outs and everything like that, I'm just going to go go ahead and kick it over to Eric Sanchez. Eric, how are you doing? Hey, hey, how's it going? So you have your list of matches ready to talk about? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've got a list. You've got a list. So Most of our matches cross over. Yeah, but that's, I guess, good. Yeah. We have a lot more to talk about, from yeah. <laughs> at least a lot more reference points, so... So the first match I want to talk about, I'm going to get right into this, is Ric Flair versus Macho Man Randy Savage from WrestleMania 8, way back in 1992. It was for the WWF Championship at the Hoosier Dome in Indianapolis, Indiana. And the reason I want to talk about this was because when this match first came out, when it was live as it was happening, I was in second grade, and at the time, I didn't really think that, hey, it's for sure going to be... Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair, like it sounds like everyone else did at the time. I just thought it was cool that there was going to be a title match, and I also thought it was cool that the Macho Man was getting a title match because this was about a year after his story arc of him coming back into retirement, feuding with Jake the Snake Roberts, and a good showing in the Royal Rumble, and ending up getting the title shot against Ric Flair at WrestleMania. Do you remember? I know you went back a little bit and, and, and looked at this match, but do you remember where you were at the time as a fan or anything about this feud at all or wanting Hulk Hogan. Obviously you didn't want Hogan to get the title match, but anyone else that anything else you can think of where you were at, at the time? No, I just remember Ric Flair coming into the WWF and he was a big WCW NWA guy. And I didn't, at the time I didn't really see him, I guess, getting a lot of attention from Rick, WD. Ric Flair, you mean? Yeah, Ric Flair. So to me, he was the guy, like the outsider guy that came in that, Right to the top. And I understood why he kind of got pushed to the top, because he won the Royal Rumble that year, right? Yeah, that was the year. He was the champion because he won the Royal Rumble. Yeah. He eliminated. He let, he was. That is a Rumble I'm sure we will touch on next week, where he was number three ends up winning the title. So, yes, he won the belt, and this was his first major title defense was at WrestleMania yeah. against Randy Savage. So I thought it was a good match. Um, I didn't really... I guess I kind of look forward to him versus Hogan for WrestleMania, but him and Savage just seem like just as good of a match and would probably give Flair we uh, talk, a better match. We talked about a little bit about this on the Random Wrestling Memories one. I remember if it was part or two where the whole storyline of she was mine before she was yours with Miss yeah, Elizabeth with and the Macho Elizabeth. Man. So that was a big deal for me. So the whole buildup I thought was really cool. Also, the match itself was awesome. So on Rick Flair's podcast, he does a thing every once in a while, which I think is kind of cool. He goes back and watches old matches, 
And it sounds like he doesn't watch matches very often, his old ones, so he gets to relive it. And in his book, he talked about how he was disappointed in the match with Savage because he didn't have his confidence or, or whatever it was. But as he went back and watched it, he goes, this was a lot better than I remember. It's a great match. It's got good drama. It's got Ric Flair bleeding. It's got his bright red blood all over his bright blonde hair. There's a part I remember. <laughs> so this is also kind of gross, I remember, too. So he's all bloodied up. And during the match, he's beating the hell out of Savage, etc. Liz comes down. Liz comes down, and Flair gets in her face or whatever. Flair lays a big kiss on her, which is gross because he's covered in blood. Yeah. And then Liz slaps him and beats the crap out of him, and the crowd's going nuts. And do you remember the finish of this match by chance of Macho Man versus Flair? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> so two parts to this story. So Macho Man won by doing a roll-up, but he held the tights which is unheard of at the time for a baby face to hold the tights to win a match. Okay. So he won it. I remember now. Okay. See, one little trigger and you're back in. <laughs> you're back in your mindset. So Bobby Heenan screaming, he grabbed the tights. He grabbed the tights. Because he did. He grabbed the tights. But the next week on Raw, or not, sorry, not Raw. This must have been Superstars or Challenge. He has an, a sit-down interview. And they talk about, you know, you bent the rules. And Macho Man cuts the promo saying I'll do whatever it takes to win the keep these matches including bend the rules which is a total heel thing to say but yeah especially at that time yeah but we're like okay I get it I'm on your I'm on the macho man side with this and they also had a press conference do you remember the press conference where they (laughs) you don't remember anything no (laughs) so they had a press a fake WrestleMania press conference where they announced who would face Rick Flair at WrestleMania for the belt. Originally, they announced Hulk Hogan. And then Sid freaked out, saying, I should have gotten the belt. And then something happened where there was a lot You're talking about the press conference before WrestleMania. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Okay, good. What do you think, the one after? I don't know. You said, and then they had a press conference. Uh, sorry. It's kind of, I'm, I, like, my mind fills in the blanks by itself when yeah. it comes to wrestling stuff, so I assume everyone else knows it. I guess I should stop doing that. So, they have the fake press conference. Yeah, I, I remember okay. that. So, it ends up being a double main event. Hulk Hogan versus Wasn't Sid. Sid just look infuriated? His face was just yeah. Like, he was grabbing a like piece of paper. Blow up. Uh-huh. <laughs> Since a guy that his only two WrestleMania matches, he was in the main event. Yeah. Is there anyone else that that'll ever happen with? Probably not. No. <laughs> so we ended up getting the double main event. Got Macho Man winning the title. Had a little bit of a run. I think his one major pay-per-view match with the title was where he faced Ultimate Warrior, where Ric Flair was involved with Mr. Perfect at SummerSlam 92. But this is a match that I go back and keep watching over and over again. And everyone, like I said at the time, apparently was wanting Hogan and, and Flair to be the main event. And you mentioned something about how you were telling me before, Ric Flair said that was never the plan as far as he knew, or...? Yeah, I read that he does his own podcast, and he was saying that when he came into WWF, it, was, it wasn't it was like a specific deal that he would face Hogan, but that he would just come in and just kind of play it by ear. Mm-hmm. But they did a lot of house shows, him and Hogan, headlined a lot of house shows leading up to WrestleMania. Yeah, that's actually on a DVD I have of their, them having a house show match. But then the rumor was the matches weren't that good and this and that, but Flair said that that's not the case, that something just changed. What do you, do you think it was the case of Hogan not wanting to be there with Flair? Because to me, I don't buy. It. I've heard people say, that, but "I don't buy that," because he was obviously going to win at WrestleMania. Yeah. So I don't buy that. Yeah, I don't understand what happened. Apparently, unless the matches were not, unless he thought the matches weren't that great. Apparently, it sounds from what I've read in old issues of the Wrestling Observer is the house show business they were doing wasn't drawing great. I mean, they were okay, but it wasn't the attraction they thought it would be. So they figured, hey, we've got to fill this big dome. Let's go with Hogan versus Sid. It's, you know, big guy versus big guy. They also built it as Hogan's retirement match. So at the end of the day, I'm glad we got that because we'll transition to our next match, which you did watch. Go ahead. I did watch, but those that was the two biggest stars, Hulk Hogan, WWF, Ric Flair, WCW. Like Those two, were the two top guys that everybody wanted to see. To a wrestling fan that's world existed outside of WWF, me, I had no idea who oh, Ric Flair for, was. Yeah, I did. Because I, I remember it, we talked about this yeah. where I read magazines in 91 where Ric Flair was on the cover. So they were like Wrestling Observers or um, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, whatever they were. So I was aware of, of a world outside of WWF or WWE. 
And I thought it was awesome because I think I may be four or five years older than you too. Mm-hmm. So I think you said you're in second grade. I'm no, I might've been like eighth grade, ninth grade, something you, like, like that. 50. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it was, I don't know. Hogan Flair. I was like pumped. That should have happened. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess at, uh, looking back, yes, it should have happened. But at the time I didn't care. Because you were five. No, I was eight. <laughs> eight. Okay. Not five. I, run, I don't know why I remember this. So we had to write a story about something. I forgot what this, like, I think there was just, you could do whatever you wanted. Um, and my subject was WrestleMania 8, where I made, I just summarized the storylines. And I remember my one buddy in school at the time was also a wrestling fan and I spelled Rick Flair's name R I C K and he's oh, like, he, no. he, he corrected me. <laughs> I'll always remember that. So now whenever I'm watching like an old pay per view and I see signs where someone spells his name wrong, I'm like, How could you be a fan? You yeah, spelled his name you wrong. Moron. <laughs> so we did get the Hogan Flair match two years later. At Bash of the Beach, nineteen ninety four in WCW, Hogan versus Flair. Now, I told you, I said, watch this match. It's a match I want. You completely said, I forgot about it. You weren't expecting much. But what did you think of the match? Hogan versus Flair, WCW. Just the, the setup and the anticipation, the intensity. Nobody's in the ring yet. So they introduce first Flair. He comes out with, they called her Sensuous Sherry instead of Sensational. Yeah. So he comes out and, you know, fans are into it. And then Hogan's music hits. This place erupts. Yeah. It's insane. Like, I got goosebumps. And you hate Hogan. I hate Hogan, but just real. the reaction, the fan reaction. And then I'm thinking, oh, my God. I'm like, back in this time, Hogan, Flair, like the two biggest, and then Michael Buffer. But they had uh, Mr. T comes out with Hogan. Jimmy Hart comes out with Hogan. Yeah. Shaq in, comes in 90, out with Hogan. Okay, Shaq is relevant in 94. Yeah. Huge star. Mr. T, not relevant. Oh, no. He was like, what is this guy doing here? Even then. Because mm-hmm. he, what, WrestleMania 1 or 2, he was involved in. Both. Yeah. Which was a lifetime ago. <laughs> 85 and <Yeah>. 86. <laughs> but back then, I think lifespans of wrestlers was four or five years. And then it's like, oh, we got so much out of you. Even as a fan, I felt like if they were around seven, eight years, I'm like, what? come on. So... I don't remember this match at the time. This much, I think this was something I went back later and watched. I do remember Hogan signing with WCW. Because I remember on TBS, they had the big parade for him, yeah. which was totally fake. You look back and watch it. It's just like people at the park that day at Disney World are like, like hey, what's Hulk, going on? Hulk Hogan's here. Cool. <laughs> and like he signed the contract. And on Reddit currently, on the Squared Circle on Reddit forum, there is somebody who's going back and reviewing old um, or summarizing old copies of the Wrestling Observer, mm-hmm. and he talks about the rumors of the time of Hogan going to WCW, and originally the idea, it sounded like, was for them to push this match all the way out to not happen to possibly Starcade in December. But they're like, what's your strike now? Everyone's in. So they had it at the Bash of the Beach, which I guess could be considered a B pay-per-view but it was a huge success. Yeah. You know, I meant a ton of people watched it. And I, I liked it even right from the beginning. Like we were talking about the, the crowd and Michael Buffer introducing the two. It's really like a heavyweight fight. Like you see in boxing where, you know, the, in this opponent or this corner and that corner weighing in at this, this and that, and you know, all that kind of stuff. It make, it, it, it was it, a big deal. The whole time it felt like a really big oh, deal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm totally buying in. <laughs> And then he was talking about, you know, 25 years ago. Um, Who, Buffer? Yeah, 25 years ago. I forget, Apollo. I don't know. Is it Apollo that went to the moon? Yeah. Talking about that, you know, not that too far from here. And then today we've got the two biggest, you know, in their sport. I'm like, That's yeah. a little over the top. It was. <laughs> <laughs> but I think they had to throw in the 20, 25th anniversary of that. I don't know if it, if it was right time. Whatever. I mean, you bought it. So bitch well, I did that. because then he goes into the two biggest, like that, like that's monumental. Yeah, landing on the moon, and now in the wrestling <laughs> world, like this is just as monumental because it's like the two biggest in wrestling. The match itself, I thought, was better than I remembered. It's yeah. a classic Hogan match where there's a lot of shenanigans. There's interference from breaks to the eyes, breaks to the back. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's the figure four. You know. Sherry gets involved. Hogan pushes Sherry out of the or clothesline Sherry, which is I little... think he punched her. He was trying to clothesline her. She wasn't close enough. And he <laughs> punched her in the face. 
Well, at least his fist hit her face. It wasn't a punch. It was an attempted clothesline. So that's a match everyone should go back and watch because it's better than you expect. Yeah. Hogan versus Flair, Bash at the Beach, 1994. Hogan beats Flair like you assume he would. In the front row, If I noticed this. In the front row is Hogan's wife, and she stands out, or ex-wife, I guess now. She stands out like a sore thumb because she's wearing this huge, like, 80s black dress. She's got a bleached blonde hair. But after he wins, she jumps up like a little kid, like, yes, yeah. yes, yeah. I wonder if she, I'm sure he told her. Win, I'm gonna win, brother. But yeah. you never know. <laughs> make it, make it look good out there. But there were two guys in the in the audience that I've always seen at those wrestling pay per views. Mm-hmm. The one guy, even in WWF, dressed like Hulk Hogan, yeah, looked yeah. like old lazy Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And then Vladimir, the the Vladimir was there. Yeah. I didn't see him. I know. Yeah, he was guy. like the dark skinned guy. Yeah, I know uh, him. Yeah. I'm just trying to describe him for fans. Yeah, everybody knows Vladimir. Okay. He's the super fan. So those two guys, I'm like, oh, those two guys are there too. <laughs> so I read. This is probably fake, but I read that WCW would give that Hogan guy tickets when he came over to make him seem like a bigger deal. But that Hogan guy looked like... Do you remember when they did, before WrestleMania 12, the Billionaire Ted skits with the Huckster and the Nacho Man? Huckster, yeah. So that guy looked like the Huckster. I thought that was him. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> I maybe thought they, he was the Huckster. Maybe they cast him as the Huckster, as like a, a F.U. to Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> so... Again, Bash the Beach 94, go check it out. So do you have a match? I've had my two. Yeah, speaking go. of, like, Hogan impressions, do you okay. remember Hogan, Shawn Michaels? This is one that Summer I SummerSlam? Yes. I had to go back. Which one was 05? Uh, yeah. yeah it SummerSlam. might have been. Yeah, it's SummerSlam 05. Yeah. So go ahead with your... So the buildup was Shawn Michaels wanted to team up with Hulk Hogan. But I think the whole, well, I think what came out was that Hogan didn't want to put over Shawn Michaels. And they were supposed to do three matches. Hogan gets one, Shawn gets one, and then a rubber match deciding between the two. But Hogan wanted to wear a classic heel and baby face. And they were both faces. They were both good guys. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I remember HBK, he does like a, a good guy switch into a bad guy and then back into a good guy at the end of the match in like a matter of a month or two <laughs> just so he could work heel against Hogan. So were you watching at the time week to week or no? Because I wasn't. This I was... remember watching week to week. He's He wanted one more match out of Hogan, and then they did a tag team match. And at the end of the tag team match, he kicks Hogan in the face. And then Hogan the next week or the next two weeks was like, you know, if you wanted a match with me, why don't you just ask me? That's all you had to do <laughs> instead of kicking me in the face. Which is, it sounds like what Michaels actually wanted to do. Which but really, I think that's what Hogan wanted because, okay, kick me in the face so you look like a bad guy. Then we can have the heel mm-hmm. or the good guy, bad guy fight. So they ended up having the match. Are you okay that they went with the good guy, bad guy? Or would you prefer to face to face? Um, I liked HBK more when he was heel, like after... The yeah. DX and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I just liked him. Be, I always liked the bad guys. Like the guys that are just assholes that say mean stuff. And Even when you were, a, well, I guess that's not 2005, you weren't really a kid. But when no. you were a kid, did you like the bad guys? Because I was strictly um, good guys. Good guys versus bad guys. I liked all the good guys, hated yeah. all the bad guys. Good guys, bad guys. Okay. But as you got older, you were kind of yeah, you're kind of a smart mark. I guess. <laughs> so let's talk about the match itself. Hogan versus Michaels. People say that Michaels, if anyone, everyone's ever seen this match, Michaels sells like he has been shot everything Hogan, like literally shot with a gun. Everything. Just over dramatic about everything. Yeah. And I think that was his FU to Hogan for, you know, making him go through all of this stuff. Because he came back as a born again and didn't want to do the bad guy stuff and didn't want to act and didn't want to do the bad guy things. But. It was still a fun match. Oh, yeah. I love the, the match. Stuff. Yeah. I well, might... it starts off like the collar and elbow tie-up, you mm-hmm. know, throws him across the ring. Michael's, th- you know, goes flying. Mm-hmm. Another one goes flying. So everything, Hogan is establishing himself as the strongest guy in the ring. Mm-hmm. So at that time, Michaels has to be, you know, the quick, the fast, and that kind of guy. So that's the kind of match it turns into. It's a fun match because... Hogan was limited this time. This is after he had both his hips replaced or something, I think. And he had a knee brace on, too. Yeah. And Michaels was able to support support his end and also carry Hogan to a very fun, entertaining match. And also, prior to this match, we got one of the great troll promo jobs of all time when Michaels was in Montreal. 
Remember that? Yeah. So on Raw, for those who haven't seen it, watch on YouTube. But is the one of the biggest pop like to heat reactions I've ever seen. So Michaels is in the ring in Montreal cutting a promo, talking about how great he is, and then all of a sudden the crowd, of course, starts chanting, You screwed Brett. And then Michael says something along the you're damn right I did. And if he had the guts to come out right now, and then Bret Hart's music's hit, yeah. the place blew up. And then slowly they realize he's not coming out. <laughs> then and Michael's is laughing. <laughs> and then, really, had you go in there? And yeah. then the crowd was furious. Furious. Yeah. I can't remember what crowd that pissed in a long time. Maybe the Rumble when Batista won. But other yeah. than that, or when Roman won. Yeah. We could talk about the, the Roman win next week because I have yeah. thoughts on the Roman Rumble win. Not all bad. Yeah. Well, I, I forgot our transition from the the Huckster mm-hmm. to what we were talking yeah. about. But pre, uh, leading up to the match, HBK dressed up like Hogan, and they he did the whole thing like uh, Jerry. No, not what's his name? Larry King. Larry King. So Jerry he's doing. <laughs> so, well, Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah, Larry. I can see that. So he's doing the whole brother brother stick and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, and he's super kicks fake Larry King. <laughs> so did you? But it's so like he was like geriatric or something like that. Did you like the whole ma- does the match itself stand alone, or do you advise people to watch all the build up as well? Uh, I mean, the build up definitely plays into a lot of the matches we watch. For sure. Because a lot of them are either payoff matches or they're important matches to the rivalry. So I think just watching the match itself, I mean, you can. I think it's still a fun match. But to know, you know, how they got to that point is important, too. What's also nice is I know right now when you're watching Wrestling Live, it's a pain in the ass. And you're like, oh, I don't need another recap of what's going on. I watch right. every week. But later when you watch Heaven Seasons in a lot of these old ones, you're like, oh, thank God for these recaps. Now I know everything that's going on in two yeah. minutes. Like three weeks ago on Raw. Right. You're like, I was just watching. But now like this, like I wouldn't remember it at all, especially if you weren't watching, even if you were. Like I don't remember every little detail, but those video packages they do are always great. Yeah. Where they know every important part of the storyline. So we talked we can transition in this next one here where we both watched this one it was Shawn michaels versus stone cold steve austin at um king of the ring king of the ring 97 so you didn't you watched this match right yeah okay so but i asked you before we started if you watched the build-up to it and you said no no so this was michael's first singles match back since his injury when he had a knee injury before wrestlemania 13 we had to give up his title and he came back as kind of a tweener guy. And he and Austin both had a common enemy in the Hart Foundation. So they ended up winning the tag titles from Bulldog and Owen Hart and then still hate each other. So they made this match. I remember watching this match live and also watching the build-up live. And 97 WWF is so much fun because it's just before they've officially taken over in the ratings war and with with nitro but they're starting to build and build and build and this is part of the stuff and it kind of makes me sad watching this that bret hart didn't stay and that michaels got hurt granted we got the rock and austin all the dx stuff and awesome but i think michaels and hart could have been even more great in the attitude era with all these guys so this match itself is underlooked and probably forgotten about because everyone always thinks about michaels versus austin wrestlemania 14 which is, I think, a better match than people give it credit for, given the position or given the status of Michael's back at the time and his injury status. But this match itself is great, this Michaels-Austin match. So you watch this, you think, for the first time, you said, right? Yeah. Well, when we talked about um, Michaels and Austin, my first thing was like, oh, he's talking about the WrestleMania match. And then you're like, no, it's King of the Ring. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that sounds stupid. <laughs> so in my eyes, like the Austin... HBK match, to me, the best match was uh, WrestleMania 14, right? Yeah. So going back, I guess we're going back in time now to 97. Yep. So watching the build-up, like, I thought it was good, and then watching the match, it was a lot better match than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. Because to me, King of the Ring matches and, I guess, B pay-per-view matches just never really interested me in the the fact that they were going to be great, like, great matches, like WrestleMania or Royal Rumble or... Like the big four usually give the best matches, in my eyes. No, you're right, because the main event of this pay-per-view was Undertaker versus Farouk for the <laughs> WWF title. Yeah. Which, before we get too far, I don't want to forget this, because I kept I was watching the network, and I kept watching the after the match. So 
the fruit cuts a promo and Undertaker before the match, and he says the funniest line. So Paul Bearer starting to blackmail Undertaker with something. I think it's about Kane, uh-huh. and are starting to build up the Kane stuff. And Farouk says, "You don't gotta worry about Paul Bearer blackmailing you. You gotta worry about this blackmail." <laughs> Which I thought was just a great line. Anyway, back to the Michaels and, and Austin match. <laughs> Did you did you remember at the beginning of this match what happened? Um, there was a special Olympian that came in the ring. Did you see that part? I did, and I, I think at first Austin was I don't know talking trash to him, or he was he was so yeah. It was but confusing. then HBK goes and helps him out, and then he looks like the good guy again. Yeah, well, they were both technically the faces in this match. I don't know, they were. <laughs> so again, this is the tweener era when yeah. it's just starting out, and so for those who don't know, really quick, before the match starts, they had. I'm sure there's a special. Was he a plan or no? Yeah, right. <laughs> so before the match starts, there was a uh, special Olympian that tries to get in the ring to attack Austin because he's a Michaels fan, uh-huh. and the security like tackles this guy. And yeah. Michaels looks, he's like totally like breaks script. Whoever is like, hey, he jumps out of the ring, screams, hey, and you can he can tell this guy's you know a special Olympian. He might be confused. Pulls security off of him. Yeah. But the best part, I forgot about this, as Michaels is helping him, Austin, to keep up his badass character, goes and beats the hell out of Michaels in front of this kid, which I think was great. And they go walk down. Eventually, Michaels gets him out of there. But the only thing that holds this match back is it doesn't have a true finish, which I think you mentioned like before. So yeah. <clears throat> I think if they combine the finish of WrestleMania 14 with this match, we'd have a perfect match. But right. alas, we can't do it. So. Yeah. How did it finish? There were two refs, one ref. I think yeah, they get knocked out. It was out a double and, DQ. Yeah. They just both, they both hate each other so much they couldn't handle it. So that would, it was just a double DQ finish because they had to protect both guys and makes sense, but you still want to finish. Yeah. I was expecting the Heart Foundation to interfere or something like that, but what are you going to do? Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> do you got another match you want to, it doesn't have to be a smooth transition, just anything you um, want to talk about. You've got I think the other one that I had to go back and watch, because at the time I loved a match. And for years I'm like, oh, that's the greatest match. <laughs> or that's one of the best matches. Mm-hmm. But when you had, had talked to me about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I love that match. And then I'm like, I got to rewatch this. It Make was sure the, it's still good. Yeah, because the buildup was good. And it was classic late 80s, early 90s, cheesy kind of, you had to s- suspend your belief or disbelief whatever the phrase is and it was the rick martell versus jake the snake roberts wrestlemania 7 and the build-up was well rick martell had this big like i don't even know what it's called like a big arrogance it's arrogance but it was in it was a ridiculous container like like a a perfume sprayer but like think of a novelty sized perfume sprayer but like a bug old school like bugs bunny cartoon bug spray yes canister it's it's ridiculous and he has i don't know stickers like <laughs> this is arrogance mm-hmm. on the side of the bottle yeah. or on the front of it so jake is on the brother love show rick martell comes up and they get in a scuffle and then rick martell grabs the arrogance and sprays it in, in jake's eyes and from there jake is blind so there's like this big sympathy for him which i totally bought i'm like he's blind there's no way. Do you know why you probably bought it? Because they put contacts in his eyes. Remember that? Oh, so yeah. They were, like, cloudy. Was, yeah, it was just, like, white eyeballs. Yeah. So, I mean, I was a kid, too. So I believed everything that I was watching. <laughs> so then I think he gets his eyesight back before the match, but he wants to have this match and wants it blindfolded, which is the hoods, so Rick Martell understands what it's like to be blind. And the one thing I forgot about it is Jake, throughout the whole match, is just pointing his finger, like scanning the ring from left to right with his with his arm and his pointer finger out. Mm-hmm. And the fans scream when he's like pointed right at Martel. So then he goes in that direction. But I forgot how long it was that they, they didn't really like fight that much. I'm, I've got it up on Wikipedia now. The match itself was 8 minutes and 34 seconds. But it felt like forever because they were hardly even touching each other. Yeah, but I think what was... So this match doesn't get shit on by people. Uh-huh. But I'm with you. I thought it was great. Uh, I thought that the anticipation of them getting to each other would have been yeah. so fun. And then Monsoon and Bobby Heenan's commentary is great. <laughs> Bobby Heenan says something along the lines of, Oh, Martel should get to... Martel should get to, to do it with his hands over his, or his eyes closed to be on the honor system. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it was so loud in there, like when the crowd would react to Jake the Snake pointing directly at Martel in mm-hmm. front of him. It was so loud in there. A lot of the times 
uh, Monsoon would say something, and then a second later, Bobby Heenan would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then Monsoon's like, I just said that. He's like, what? I can't hear you. But he just heard him. Yeah. Well, Bobby also claims he tried the hood on before the show started and was, like, talking about how you can't see a thing in there. And no, then, you, you can. Yeah, I'm sure. And then Bobby said something, you know, I don't know if they can even hear in there. And then Monsoon's <laughs> like, didn't you have it on earlier today? <laughs> I didn't have 20,000 people screaming at me. <laughs> Uh, so when I rewatched it, before the match even starts, the ref is putting the hoods on their faces, and mm-hmm. he puts it on Jake's, and the camera zoomed in on Jake's face. Jake puts his hand under the hood, and you mm-hmm. can see his fingers, uh-huh. like through the mesh for the eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they did see what was going on. It wasn't like a completely... Right. But at the time, I thought it was a completely, like, I... this full, full dark... Maybe mask. I'd like to think that maybe Jake had his eyes closed for most of the match, just for that authentic yeah. feel. But, but I, I like the Irish whipping of the rope that Martel does. But when Roberts comes back, he doesn't come back straight. He kind of goes off at an angle and he uh-huh. misses him. <laughs> or how about when um, when the model's on the outside of the ring backing up and he has uh-huh. a chair in his hand, he bumps into the post, turns around and whacks the post. <laughs> and stings his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> or even in the ring, they're like backing up into each other and they, you know, bump backsides. <laughs> like... Okay, so I don't know if everyone... I'm going to edit all that out. But basically what happened, there was just a short in a recording, so we're going to go right back into it. We were talking about WrestleMania 7, the blindfold match, Jake and Rick the Model. So the last thing we talked about was them bumping into each other, ready to hit each other. Eric, yeah. take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I think the anticipation, like you were saying, is just just amazing in that match. And then they almost touch each other. I don't know if I, I said this, yeah. but they would grab the ref, and then they're like feeling like an, an Heenan's or... One of the commentators uh-huh. saying, he's got a shirt on, he's got a shirt on, you know that's not your opponent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was, it's just a fun match where if someone reads online about it, it's like, oh, this was horrible, stupid idea. And maybe, yeah. maybe it looking, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, it was. But the time I thought that was just a ton of fun. It was just a fun it, it's one of the matches for me where you have to watch. I don't know some of the some of the build up to it. I think a lot of the promo packages before those WrestleMania matches they do a good job of it, like saying what got them to this point. Yeah, and this did too. I mean, yeah. this feud started before the Royal Rumble in January, yeah. so it was a long feud before they had the big Jake blow was up for a while because he was blind. Well, they did like vignettes on superstars of him at the like eye doctor, yeah. and then they did and they show this in the build up too, like. Of him back in the brother love so pretending to be blind, like Jake, look over here, making fun of him. Jake's yeah. in like Cosby sweater and like in big glasses, <laughs> looking for looking for the model. Yeah. Um, we could stay on WrestleMania Seven for my next match, which was also your match, Macho King Randy Savage versus the Ultimate Warrior retirement match. Yeah, one of the best matches of all time. I think so. All things considered, with the yeah, I mean, with the finish and what happened after the build up, the build, I mean, every, yeah, yeah, it's. I think it's one of the best rivalries, but it's a short rivalry, though. If if you take just the individual match itself, yeah, don't have the beginning or like the, the aftermath. I think it's still a itself, great match. Still a great match. Yeah, you add those two those two elements, even better. It's even better, right? So we talked about this a little bit where you talked about a couple weeks ago how you knew Macho Man is only the Macho King. Because the rivalry started with Sherry begging the Ultimate Warrior, who was a WWF champion at the time, for a title match for the Macho King. Warrior mm-hmm. said no. Um, so he didn't say no. He said no. no. Lots of shaking. <laughs> that was a good one. Good yeah. impression. <laughs> it was deeper though. It was. <laughs> and and Sherry, I remember crumbling because she's so like. And she was trying to like, no. but she was trying to like seduce him sexually too. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Like she's like grabbing his like you're a very strong warrior, grabbing his chest. Yeah. He's got like a leather American flag jacket on. Right. And the reason Macho Man wanted Slaughter to win was because Slaughter guaranteed him if I win the title, <clears throat> excuse me, I will give you a title match, which he doesn't have any authority to do. Jack yeah. Tunney has that authority in 1991, right. not Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. El Presidente. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Macho Man cost Warrior the title. They lead to a match, retirement match, Macho King versus the Ultimate Warrior. Looking so Macho King with Sensational Sherry mm-hmm. versus Warrior. So and his Duster. This is a match that I could we can almost use a whole show just breaking down all the awesome nuances on. You know, before it starts, Bobby Heenan's you know looking who is that over there, and Bobby Heenan's not paying attention to what Monsoon saying. It's Miss Elizabeth in the yeah. front row, and but Elizabeth hasn't been seen in the WWF since what WrestleMania six. 
she was um, kind of the surprise with Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire yeah, right, right. versus Macho King and, and um, Sherry. But just the whole thing. I, I have a ton of stuff I want to talk about this match, so I don't want to cut you off. Do you have anything you want to say about the beginning or, or anything like that before the match no, starts? I'll just work off you because I think my – I think the thing that I remember the most was the ending. Like the elbows after elbow after elbow. Like I don't know how many he gave him like to, to put Warrior down. Yeah, it was, I don't know, like, it was a thing. I remember where, they counted. It was like number two. It was like five three. elbows or something, Yeah, the elbow drops. And this is a match that I didn't get to see live, but I did write the videotape over and over again. And it was a match where you'd think me as the Hogan fan would have been all about Hogan winning the title back. And I was happy. But to me, Macho Man Warrior stole the show at that mania. Yeah. So... At the beginning of the match, like I mentioned, Bobby talks about Liz. But there's two things that stood out to me. One, something I didn't realize till afterwards, someone pointed out to me. It's like, you knew the babyface turn was coming from Macho Man because he was wearing the white hat when he comes out, the white cowboy hat, which I don't think he was. I didn't think of that, but he was wearing he the was, white cowboy yeah. hat. Also, the thing that stood out to me, Ultimate Warrior did not run to the ring. And Bobby Heenan and Monsoon touch on that. Like, he's, he knows it's going to be a long match. He's... So I thought that was so cool and so weird that yeah. they didn't. So I want you to keep talking because I actually have the defining moments action figures behind me of Macho Man's in his outfit and Warrior in his outfit. Because there's a couple of details in the outfit I want to talk about too. So uh, Well, I think a lot of the, the airbrushed art on Warrior's uh, tights, the duster that he wore to the ring, which I don't remember if he really wore a duster all the way leading up to that, but. I mean, Macho Man is in typical Macho Man gear. You know, he's got the, the ribbons, the cowboy hat, um, the leather jacket, the long pants, and but it's just white and purple. Yeah, so I've got... So Macho Man, that's my favorite Macho Man outfit, the white and purple. Yeah. So Warrior, the duster, as everyone said, it's basically a long trench coat without sleeves, right? That's basically what it is. So on the back... But he didn't really wear dusters up nope. until then. I think that's one of the first times you ever yeah. wore it. So on the back of it, showing you here there's a picture i'll tweet out a picture of this too after i put the podcast up so there is warrior and savage looking at each other on the back of his jacket mm -hmm. his duster both of them have the titles then his knee pads one knee pad has a picture of him one is a picture of ultimate warrior yeah and then the on his his ass on the back of his tights there's a picture of the WWF title, and it says, means much more than this. And they, they made sure to focus on that stuff, yeah. too, before the match. And uh, the match itself was such high drama. There was – I remember I watched this match with my friend. Like, he wasn't a wrestling fan, so I tried to get him to watch wrestling because of this match. And the Ultimate Warrior kept shoulder-blocking the Macho Man. He kept falling out of the ring. And he's uh, yeah. like, why doesn't he just pin him on the outside? I'm like, he can't. He's like, oh, then that's smart of him to roll out. I'm like, yes, I know. This is nuts. <laughs> so just a – awesome match for me to watch over and over again and the finish so let's talk about the finish of the match after warrior wins there's right before he wins he's looking at his hands remember that warrior is warrior because i don't well warrior wasn't able to put him down because i think he hit him twice with the power slams and the splashes and savage kept kicking out mm -hmm. there was a lot of false finishes at the end which is unheard of at the time and then warrior at the time, still, I probably still today, if he was alive, had like this magical bond in the sky and the power of the wall yas. Mm -hmm. So he was like looking at his hands and trying to find an explanation, like you know why, you know, I, just something to. Yep. I don't know. He 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 needed help. <laughs> he wanted to know why he couldn't pin Savage after all of the stuff that usually knocks everybody out, knocks everybody down, wins titles, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he just couldn't do it. And then Savage, we talked before, hit elbow after elbow. He hits the elbow, goes back to the ring. Another elbow. Everybody's like, you know, this has got to be it. Yep. Goes for the pin. Warrior kicks out. Yeah, it's... I'm just struggling to find the words because of how much I like this match. Yeah. Probably and Savage gets frustrated, like really frustrated too. Like, what does he have to do? Yeah, and then after Warrior wins, Sherry attacks the Macho Man. Yeah, because now she's out of a job. <laughs> According to Bobby Heenan's logic, she's out of a job. Well, I think as far as it is, 
I think everybody thinks that at that time, like the valets are hired by the wrestlers. So the wrestlers fired them. So then the other person loses their job too. As Monsoon said, she lost her meal ticket. Yeah, lost his, lost her meal ticket. So she's attacking. Yeah, I remember that. And Take then, off the heel. She'd beaten him with the heels or beaten him barefoot. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and then Miss Elizabeth comes down for the save. Running down the aisle in that big, sparkly... Black and... Black and stars sweater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and beat, she ends up pulling Sherry off. By the hair. Yep. And then she goes over to help the macho man. And he almost cocks his fist back. And, she, ah! and then Sherry's trying to say, no, she was beating you up. And the ref's like, no. It was Liz. Was that Earl? Yeah. I love Earl. Fate little Earl. <laughs> and the crowd is like, when Macho Man opens his eyes wide and the crowd can feel, oh, man, this is a moment. We should pay attention to this. Yeah. And then because they had such a long history with each other, and they came back. Yeah. And they big hug and then just. You know, and he puts her on his shoulder mm -hmm. and then, you know, waving his finger up like. Uh-huh. And he yells, and she tries to hold the rope open for him, and he's like, "Wundo!" <laughs> yeah, right. Pushes her out. <laughs> pushes her out there. So, oh man. And I know you said that you thought that the other the people reaction that they went to were plants, <laughs> but I thought at the time they were real reactions. Like I got a little choked up. I'm like, "Oh, this is such a big moment," because at the time, you know, I knew the story of Elizabeth and him. I would read magazines about how maybe they weren't together, and that kind of stuff. I don't know. I was just totally into it when I was a kid. I'm still into it. Like I, I'm. It's sad that they didn't make it in real life to me because of this yeah. match. So, just a great, great match. Two great matches. One WrestleMania. Yeah. One day we're gonna break down the entire WrestleMania seven card match by match because it was so much fun. Right. For me, as a fan. Even the shitty matches. Right. On, on paper. I think it's just the like like Bulldog versus the Warlord. I love that match. Oh yeah, I love the power slams and that kind of. I don't know. Uh -huh. It was just they were dumb. Yeah. <laughs> if I think if those matches were on now, I don't know what the reaction would be. But Bad. because we were kids, there's just something like innocent about everything that we didn't have the internet or rumors or dirt sheets and that kind of stuff to know like behind the scenes a lot of that stuff, which I didn't. Like I just believe everything that they told me. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer that it's good. I remember when I first started getting in on the internet and reading like rumor sites and it was so cool because like the world, like the curtain was pulled back. Like I know stuff, all this makes sense, but I kind of wish I'd go back to not knowing anything. And I guess I could, yeah. but I have to leave the internet, which isn't going to happen. Right. There are some sites I follow on Facebook that kind of come up or Twitter and I'll either unfollow them like if it's like a week or two before a pay-per-view that i really just want to be okay that's a good idea like excited about like i don't want to read spoilers i don't want to read what you know what's going to happen because alvarez or um melzer melzer says this and they got the hot scoop like yeah. i don't want to know that stuff yeah i want to be surprised like i was when i was a kid but it's hard to do it is so so when things change up you know it's like oh my god yeah yeah, now they're also to the point where they have to, like, swerve the Internet fans, which are pretty much the fans now, with the exception of the younger kids, because mm -hmm. everyone's online. It's not like the late 90s when only a handful of people were the Internet wrestling community, yeah. but now everyone's online. And we're talking about the current product. We can transition to another match that I had written down, which was the WrestleMania 32 IC title ladder match, which might have been the best match of the show other than the women's match, I think. It's the one where Zack Ryder won the title. Yeah. And I was at WrestleMania for this one. I was in Dallas with my wife, and it was her first well, first WrestleMania. She had a blast. She didn't think she'd have fun. She had fun. So <laughs> if if anyone's ever thinking of going to a wrestling show, like a WrestleMania particularly, and you haven't been a fan for a long time or barely kind of watch, if you like entertainment, it's a lot of fun. You know, they, they put on a good show. But I remember this match was fun because the intros, the crowd was ready to go. You know, let's go. I just remember the pop that Kevin Owens got when his music hit. And I also remember I was sitting adjacent across from the stage where they came in. So I had a pretty good view. I was on like the 100 level. I guess you'd call it like the 15-yard line of the football field. And it was a pretty good view of the stage. And Kevin Owens, you could tell, was like pumped. Like he was looking up like, all right, let's go. Like he had been working hard for this. Yeah. Sami Zayn had the same thing too. And and everybody had their little moments in the match. There was the the – when – Sami Zayn did the suplex through the ladder to Kevin Owens, where Ryder did the elbow, 
um, there's everyone had their little moments in the match, yeah. and it was just it was just and the finish I thought was great too. And I just, I had no idea Ryder was going to win. I'm not a huge Ryder fan, but I mentioned last week I like guys that were fans when they were kids, which he is or always yeah. was. So that was cool that he got his moment. Do you follow him on Instagram? Yeah. Okay. So he's into pops, action figures. And to me, he's like a nerd like me. I'm like, Uh I like this guy. Yeah. And then a couple of years ago, I remember he did the Internet Wrestling Championship. Uh Uh-huh. And he had a fun show. It had his dad on there. And I think because, I don't know, he just had the Internet. (laughs) And he even made a belt. Yeah. He would come out to the ring with it. Yeah. Internet Wrestling Champion. So I was excited that. I don't know, like, he finally got it, even though it lasted a day. Mm-hmm. But, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but Never. he won the title, has his moment. Like, if you watch WrestleMania, he wins the title. And I, when I, we were there live, like, the way the way I, where I was sitting, I was facing, I guess you call hard camera, so the way the wrestlers look at, they, so that's the way it's shot. And The Miz was kind of like, I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to let The Miz win, you assholes. Like, you're going to be everyone pissed off. And then he had... He's sitting up at the top, and all of a sudden, Ryder came up. And to me, not even as a big Ryder fan, like, yes, he's going to win. Yeah. Pushed him off, and there's just a cool moment. And, like, the match itself, I get awesome spots, told good story, I thought, throughout. You'd, I kind of just figured Owens would win was kind of my pick. So when he didn't win, I was okay that someone else besides him won. Yeah. Ryder wasn't even supposed to be in that match. It was supposed to be Neville, but Neville got hurt. So good for him for getting his moment. Yeah. yeah. I was I was really excited when he won that. Did, you watched it live, I'm assuming, WrestleMania, yeah. yeah. So did you have any other standout moments from the match itself or not? I'd have to rewatch it. I mean, I watch matches and then four or five months later, I'd, I'd forget like important spots and yeah. things that happen. And to me, I told you ladder matches are just a lot of crash and burning, just ladders and crunching and hitting with ladders and moves on ladder. Like there's too much going on that. I don't remember a lot of the stuff from ladder matches, especially in multi-man ones. Yeah. But this one was so fresh in my mind because I went and because it was last year's WrestleMania, and again, besides the women's title match, this is probably my match at the night of that show. And we could talk about the next ladder, which I had you watch, which was Shawn Michaels versus Chris Jericho, No Mercy 2008 ladder match for the title. Yeah. And you mentioned how ladder matches are just spot, 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 spots. This ladder match is not that. It's an actual storytelling match. Yeah. So you don't remember it. You watched it. What did you think of this? Well, this when match? we were talking, my recollection of, of a lot of this stuff in the in the between 2000 and 2012 is hazy and spotty because I would watch Raw every now and then I would watch SmackDown every now and then. So I wasn't totally invested in the storylines, but there's different parts of the storylines. Like, yeah, I remember watching that. So I was confused at first with the um, the WrestleMania 19 feud and the, and the 2008 feud. Yeah. So this is from 2008. Yeah, 19 is 2003. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm thinking... I don't know. I just got confused. Then the more I started reading about it, I'm like, yeah, I remember that because it was the. It was for Michael's retired Ric Flair. This this is how, this is the setup to it all. So Michael's retired Ric Flair at WrestleMania 24. Batista's pissed at Michael's for retiring Ric Flair. Jericho's the antagonist is the special ref. Yeah. Michael's wins the match by faking an injury. And Jericho is like, his whole thing is, I'm going to prove you're a, fraud, you're a fraud and a phony, Michael. So I remember watching that match, and I thought Michael's was le- legitimately hurt. And whatever commentator was on, probably Ross, mm-hmm. I remember him saying, oh, he feigned an injury. I'm like, feigned? What the hell does that mean? So I looked it up, and it's like, faked an injury. I'm like, yes, new word <laughs> new word to my vocabulary, <laughs> feigned. <laughs> so I remember that match. And then, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, then... You go ahead. Yeah, so a couple weeks later, Michaels is claiming, no, I was injured, I was injured. They have a match. Michaels wins. and then But he they, fakes being injured again, doesn't he? Yes. Okay. And then they're going to have another match where Jericho's like, okay, I believe you're injured now. And then Michaels says something like, trust me, I'm not hurt. Super kicks him. Jericho wins that match. They then, he does something in that match where he damages Michaels' eye pretty bad. It's a pretty... It's probably the last bloody, bloody match WWF has ever done. Well, I think a week or two before that, there was the um, the highlight reel. Yes. And Jericho oh, takes... that's what it was. Yeah, he takes Michaels, him. smashes him through the Jeratron 5000. Yes. Busts, and they, they say that that's where he busted his eye, orbital bone or whatever it was. I think this was in Jericho's book where he talked about it, because this is Jericho. He's often said his favorite feud he's ever done. And they had the idea to do it, and... Vince didn't want to have Michaels go through the ta- the TV because in order for this to happen, the TV would have to be off because they had to put sugar glass in there. Mm-hmm. Vince like, everyone's going to know something's up. 
I'm like, no, no, we'll distract him enough. We'll distract him enough. And if Jericho never said that, I would never have thought twice about the TV not being on. I figured, like, okay, we'll turn the TV on type of thing. But, yeah, so then they have their match where Michaels is going to have to retire. He's going to make his announcement at SummerSlam. And then Jericho says, no, I want the credit for making you retired. Okay, yeah. And Michaels has one of my favorite lines he's ever had in this promo. I don't know if you remember or not, but I'll just say it because you probably won't. Like, I don't remember. And like, oh, I remember after I say it. <laughs> I don't remember. So Jericho comes down and says, I want you to go home and tell your kids that I'm the reason that you're retired. It's me. I did it. I ended your career. So Michael says, okay, I'll do it. But I want you to go home and tell your wife and your kids and tell them their dad will never be Shawn Michaels. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. Like such a great yeah. line. And then... Michaels goes to punch Michaels, or Michaels, Jericho goes to punch Michaels, Michaels move, he decks Michaels' wife legitimately in the mouth, meant to pull his punch, gave her a huge fat lip, like, which made it all that more real, like, oh, shit, he punched, and she had a fat (laughs) lip instantly, like, she punched his wife in the face, and then it led to a bunch of back and forth where Michaels and then Jericho had an unsanctioned match, which Jericho lost. This was at Elimination Chamber. I think it might have been no way out still. But uh, unsanctioned means nothing. It means no. It's not a title match. It's no, not. It's not. It's not even on the record apparently because okay. it's so brutal. Michaels wins, beats the hell out of Jericho. I think the ref even stops it. Jericho ends up weaseling his way into the elimination chamber match, wins the title. So his first defense is announced as Michaels at the ladder match at No Mercy. Do you remember by who announced that? Who announced what? The title match or who his opponent would be? No. Mike Adamley. Mike Adamley, <laughs> Chicago guy, yeah. local NBC affiliate. One of the worst GMs ever. <laughs> Mike Adam, I remember with Adamley, Santino called Mike Adamale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was awful. He kept pronouncing these people's names. And he kept forgetting his lines. Yeah, yeah. Like he would be in the middle of something and stop talking. And then he'd pick it back up because someone's in his ear. <laughs> he... Yeah, <laughs> that's a guy I completely forgot about, but now I remember all his awfulness. So Mike Adamley comes out, says his first opponent's going to be HBK. In, in like, the master of the match on the master of the ladder match. Yeah. So it leads to the match. So what did you think of this match, Michaels versus Jericho for the title? <sighs> Just okay? It was, it was okay. I well, like the finish to it. Yeah. I the, like the, the thing with the ladder matches, like I said, they're... I don't know. They're, I don't know. They're just, I don't know. I mean, they're cool when I'm watching them, but to, to pick out specific spots, cause there's so many different ones. Like this guy hits him with the ladder. You put the the ladder in the ring rope, then you kick it and it swings back and hits the guy in the face. Like there's a lot of that kind of stuff, but you would probably feel more of the story than I did. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I like the finish. This is probably my favorite finish to a ladder match ever. But anything in the middle of the match that you thought was great? Because yes. that's what I like, too, is the finish. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it before. I don't I, think I've seen it since. I just like the build-up to it. I liked how they started off. They didn't the, So the start of the match, they didn't run out and get the ladder right. They started off having a wrestling match. And then logically, okay, this guy's down. I'm going to get the ladder now. I'm going to stop him. Like it's, it just it built like a real match did. Okay. And I can see how if you watched it without any context, as a match itself, it doesn't like really hold up particularly amazingly. But if you know the whole fin- the whole storyline and the whole build up to it, going back to the lie, yeah, the eye, yeah, so the wife, the title, <laughs> that's the tagline for the poster, is it? No. <laughs> so this the thing about it, this feud started in April, ended in October. Yeah, so that's a long feud, which doesn't happen nowadays. Like, and they're starting to now, but they're also wrestling every week during these feuds. You know, right? So it's still. I think it's a. It's something that. If you go on Wikipedia or whatever, you can watch the whole feud on the network. Like, just add a playlist for yourself and just watch them all. You, you can even watch the Raws and, and the SmackDowns and stuff like that that were going on at the time because the promos for it are great. The matches before this match were also a lot of fun and great, too. I think Michaels and Jericho, two of the best in-ring guys ever. Michaels, in my opinion, is the best in-ring wrestler ever. I think you put those two together, always enough great matches. Yeah. And the finish for everyone who doesn't know, I won't say it. Because if you don't, you haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it. I won't say what the finish was, but it's it's my favorite finish to a ladder match they've, that I've ever seen. No. Okay. No. 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 I agree. Okay. Like yeah. I said, it's it's something that I wasn't expecting. I saw it. I'm like, wow, that's such like 
it's right there. You know, why haven't they done it before and why haven't they done it since? I mean, yeah. maybe they have done it since, but I just don't know about it. Just like I didn't know about this match. <laughs> yeah. But it was a cool ending. I really liked it. Another cool spot they did was they did the thing where Jericho put Michaels under the ladder and started climbing it. And then Michaels, you know, was going to, you know, not be able to move. So Michaels gets the strength, pushes Jericho over the over, off the ladder, over the ring, onto the floor. But there's no table. Jericho just lands on He should have broke his leg. I thought his knee was busted because he was acting so yeah. good. Mm -hmm. To me, that would shatter everything from my, my big toe to my hip. <laughs> everything shattered. Yep, like, I think he shattered it. Yeah, and the way he landed too, like he stuck, kind of stuck the landing. Yeah. So I was watching and I was like, and I was like, I, did I forget? Did they set up a table? I'm like, oh no, they didn't set up a table. He's just gonna land his feet. Yeah. But so. then after that. Michaels is back in. He starts climbing the ladder. In typical ladder match fashion, they're climbing so slow. Yeah. So Jericho comes in, pushes that ladder, and, and Jer or, uh, Michaels is trying to do the typical Michaels getting racked on the top rope. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't get racked. He kind of hits himself in the mid-thigh, and I thought, that fucked him up. Yeah. Because he, <laughs> he hit the rope wrong. Everything in there just, I don't even know how they survived that, how they get moving. Well, they did it. So we are almost a full hour in. So we got one more match to talk about. What do you want to talk about? Uh, we could do more WrestleMania 8 stuff. We could do whatever you want. Because there is definitely time to do a part two on this, part three and part four, because we're not even going to get all the matches we want to talk about today because there's so many of them. So there was, you know, I've got someone here, like, which we're not going to get to this week, which was Cody. Rhodes and Goldust versus The Shield at Battleground 2013. I've got Ziggler versus The Miz from This Year's No Mercy for the IC title. You know, what What else you got? Do you want to do Hogan and Goldberg? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. From Nitro? Okay. Yeah. So this is Hogan versus Goldberg, Nitro 98 for the title. And this is the one famous everyone says, why didn't you put this on pay-per-view? I don't care that it didn't because I wouldn't have ordered it on pay-per-view. So yeah. I got to see it for free. At this and time. I think with Goldberg, for me, I was... Like, I'm thinking Monday Nitro. I'm thinking Goldberg was always part of Nitro, but he wasn't. He was still... This is 98? Yes. He's still relatively new. He's within a year, yeah. I think, of being there. So mm -hmm. he's only been there for a year. Yeah. He's this young guy. If you look at Goldberg now, Goldberg then, he looks like such a kid. When yeah. you watch this match, he's so young. And just the... He was just racking up. It first started off, probably continued with a lot of jobbers, you know, beating them up. 1-0, and 2-0, 20-0, 30-0. So just the buildup of being undefeated all those throughout that time period, even on house shows, I think they counted house shows and all that kind of stuff. And 80-0, and 90-0, and, and people with their signs, you know, going all this kind of stuff. So he's literally an unstoppable force at this point. Yeah. They announced Goldberg would be facing Hulk Hogan for the title on that Thunder the Thursday before. Or Tuesday, whenever. I think no Thunder was Thursday. Thursday before Nitro. Yeah. J.J. Dillon announced it, and there was a huge pop from like, oh, shit, we got it. And originally, I don't know if you the background on this. So originally, the plan was this was at the Georgia Dome, and so all of the Turner big, big, big wigs are going to be there. It's in Atlanta. And Hogan thought, hey, I will face Goldberg in the dark match of Nitro. I'll look great in front of these executives. Um, Bischoff thought, okay, we got a new guy to focus for the executive Goldberg. Big crowd will be in there. I'm sure they weren't going to do a title change, probably a non-title match. Somewhere along the way, they changed their mind and said, we got to make this for the title. And did you watch the whole episode of Nitro or just the match? Just the match. Okay, so I watched the whole episode of Nitro today. And the cool part was it opens up with Hogan. And Hogan was a really good heel because he was just cheesy enough that you weren't going to cheer him. But he was just badass enough that you bought him as a heel, mm -hmm. as a legitimate guy. And the announcers kind of build it up, too. Like, during the Hogan-Goldberg match, they're like, Heenan and, and Shivani are like, Hogan's been here before. Like, he's been in big matches. This is nothing to him. He's not going to get right. nervous. So they, they brought it up. And and Bobby Heenan says something. He goes, if Hogan beats Goldberg Shriek, well, it'll be the end of this sport as we know it. We'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> I loved Heenan. He was so... I don't know, just witty and funny. Yeah, just hilarious. Every one, one liners left and right, he's got them, and he's always off the cuff too, which is just even more hilarious. So Nitro starts out where Hogan says, "I'm not facing Goldberg tonight, but I'll let him face an NWO white, which was Scott Hall." Uh huh. He goes, "If he beats my NWO white, then maybe I'll give him a shot." So Goldberg runs through Hall, um, and then gets the title shot. What was cool was. 
Normally, which I kind of noticed this in WrestleMania 30, when Daniel Bryan had his first match, the crowd was crazy for him. Mm-hmm. When he came out again, they were excited, but not as excited as the first time. In this match, the second time the crowd saw Goldberg at the Georgia Dome, they were more pumped during his main event match. And the match itself is nothing like great or spectacular technical, but my God, when he wins the title versus Hogan, yeah. the place explodes with excitement. Well, the the arena itself, with all of the fans, I felt had that same Ric Flair versus Hogan vibe. Except in this case, Ric Flair, or um, Hogan is the bad guy, so yeah. he doesn't get the huge pop Goldberg does. I think this is bigger than Hogan versus Flair as far as the pop goes. Maybe the beginning, no, but the end when... So I've, Oh, the I've, ending, yeah, this is bigger than that. Yeah, Goldberg spears him, and people start throwing trash in the ring. They're so excited. And that, I think in that era, like they, the fans did throw trash if it was a good match. Because <laughs> I remember going to the all, um, what United is that? Center. The United yeah, Center. Yeah, United Center, WCW. I went to a Nitro show. And that was when De- Dennis Rodman was in the NWO, and I was on the opposite side. So you were talking about the hard camera that when they look at the yeah. television. Like, I was behind them looking at their backs the okay. whole night yeah. as they're, when they're talking. I'm looking at the back of their head. But that was when uh, Rodman was there, too, and people would throw trash, their beer cans, their their pizza boxes, <laughs> yep. like everything up thrown. Yeah, so when you rewatch the match itself, it's a short match. But did you like think anything like, "Wow, this is awesome"? Do you like this building? It's building, or because the crowd was into it from the bell. Yeah, no, I thought it was a great match the way it started. They're both strong guys. I remember myself back in that period, like I wasn't a big Goldberg fan. Like I just thought the whole run up of the undefeated numbers was just like, eh. I didn't like Goldberg either because I was a WWF guy, and he was an Austin ripoff. That's what I thought. Yeah, he wasn't. I, thought. I mean, he wasn't. His his character wasn't. He just he just happened to be bald and have a goatee and wear black. Right. But same as Austin. Not as good as Austin. <laughs> no, I'm I'm talking looks wise. The yeah, same right, type yeah. of I get you know, you. the five characteristics: the goatee, bald, black, black trunks. Not as good a promo. <laughs> no, not at all. But the match I thought was really good. Hogan doing the heelish things. He's doing the eye rakes like he always does. Mm-hmm. He'll do the back scratches. <laughs> and not like the gentle ones that you get from like your significant other. <laughs> but he's just raking the back. Takes his weight belt off, starts whipping him with the belt. Yeah, and then it was also great was DDP comes out because oh, originally yeah, yeah, Kurt, yeah. Kurt Henning came out to interfere. Yeah. Who comes out? DDP and Carl Malone. Carl Malone, on, the mailman. The, he delivered that Monday. <laughs> he he delivered did. that Monday. And that cutter. The diamond cutter on Kurt Henning. Yeah. On the floor. Looks sloppy as hell. Hey, man. He's a professional yeah. basketball player. Right. We'll give him a little credit. It's a cutter. It is. Yeah, but he wins. And then so there's Bobby Heenan just like desperately wanted Goldberg to win so much. Goldberg yeah. spears him. I mentioned this before we started. So. This was the goofiest line. I don't know why they said it. So it was a three-person three team: Bobby Heenan, Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay. Yeah. So Goldberg hits the spear, and Bobby Heenan says, I smell 107, which is 107 and 0. Mike, Mike Tanay goes, I smell the jackhammer. Tony Schiavone goes, I smell Hulk Hogan. <laughs> what the hell does that mean? So and then, yeah, it's the jackhammer. One, two, three. Place yeah. goes apeshit. Launches Goldberg into a... Stratosphere, and then he ends up losing the title at Starcade to Kevin Nash by a cow teaser. Right, but it was an awesome moment for the time. So yeah, I don't remember. I think it was the flare match though when Heenan said, "Our Hogan's in a headlock." Yeah, and Heenan's like, "I squeezed the mustache off his face." (laughs) (laughs) Bobby Heenan's another whole show of Bobby Heenan quotes we can do. Yeah. So, well, like I said, we have we could add a ton more matches. But I'm going to wrap this one up, and we will definitely do a part two, part three, part four to our okay. favorite matches again in the future. So we still, I mean, there's still a lot of good matches to talk about. There is. And that's again, this was just our initial list. Like, there's even more to talk about. Yeah. And we'll get to them. We definitely will. And I want to thank everyone for listening, and thank you for following on Twitter, subscribing on iTunes, listening on SoundCloud, sending me email again, ppwpodcast at gmail dot com at ppwpodcast on Twitter. Uh, really quick, want to thank uh, the Man Cave Podcast. They're at Man Cave Podcast for following and retweeting when they can. They've got an awesome show. They actually just started a fantasy wrestling federation, so give them a follow and join. It's a lot of fun. They also talk sports and chicks and beer and guy stuff. 
Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you so much. If there's anything you want us to talk about, any comments or feedback, please shoot me a note, podcast on Twitter, podcast at gmail.com. Next week is Royal Rumble Memories, which probably will be longer than an hour because Rome was my favorite pay-per-view of all time. As a kid, even now, it's my favorite one. Uh, so that's all I got. Eric, anything before we sign nope. off for this week? Nope, that's uh, it. I'm going to try to edit that little blip we had in the middle where we are my house short-circuited or something. So, yeah. um, again, thank you guys for listening. Follow on Twitter at ppwpodcast, ppwpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Steve Fontos with Eric Sanchez. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.